0: prophecy of Simeon from Luke 2. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly awaiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Lord led him to the temple Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, The child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God that many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your soul. The prophecy of Anna. Anna, a prophet, was also there in the temple. She was the daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. Her husband died when they had been married for only seven years. Then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. She came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God she talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. When Jesus' parents had fulfilled all the requirements of the law of the Lord, they returned home to Nazareth in Galilee. There the child grew up healthily and strong. He was filled with wisdom, and God's favor was on him.
1: We all know what it feels like when things aren't going well. It's uh it's called twenty twenty. I mean, so many of us are either lonely to death or then there's so many of us who are feeling a little cramped with the people that we're sharing space with. And then it's our, our politics that have been way too interesting this year. We had social justice protests all summer long, which highlighted once again exactly how deep the divisions in our society go, both in sheer numbers and in historical resonance. And then we've got the anti mask and those kind of folks uh, causing mayhem in the Oregon State Capitol just a few days ago. This has been a year. And that's just without going into all of the disruption and heartache, the very real loss of life and livelihood that the pandemic itself has caused. We know, in a deeper way than maybe we have for a while, that things in this world are not well. Anna Anna and Simeon are good and godly people. And they live with a sense that the world around them is not well. After all, if you're waiting for the consolation of Israel, you know that Israel needs to be consoled. If you're waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem, you understand that there is some kind of bondage going on. Anna and Simeon understand that the world is not well, and the response is longing. Their response is strenuous longing for God to do what he said he was going to do. Their response is to repeatedly immerse themselves in scripture. Point to the promises of God and say, God, do what you say you're going to do, please. While Anna is in the temple fasting and praying, Simeon is somewhere else. But over a lifetime, he has cultivated an awareness of the voice of God, a lifetime of immersion in Scripture, as well as listening for the living voice of God right now. And in his attentiveness to God's communication, he has been told by the Holy Spirit that he would not die until he saw the one that God had promised until he had seen the Lord's Messiah but he's just he's old and it hasn't happened yet. Anna in particular is living in the temple with fastings Fasting is what you do when things are not going well. Fasting is what you do when you're longing for God to intervene. Fasting when you're going without food, going without some of the necessities of life because God is your life. Your hope in God is what you live for. Anna is deeply in touch with the ways that this world is not as it should be. Years go by. And I can imagine both Anna and Simeon are, well, they're eagerly anticipating, they're waiting, they're probably experiencing their moments and seasons, perhaps long seasons, of frustration because day after day, week after week, year after year go by, and nothing nothing seems to definitively get better. But then comes a morning where some seven miles away, a young couple with a six-week-old baby start their way towards Jerusalem to go to the temple. And apparently on that same day, there's an old man who's been listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit that feels like, yeah, today he should go to the temple. And there's an old woman who's who's already at the temple because she hardly ever leaves. On this particular day, there's a lot that's not going well. There's a lot to long for. But on this particular day, in the choreography of the Holy Spirit, the young couple and the old man and the old woman end up at the same place at the same time. And on this day, even though it doesn't look like it to anyone who's watching from the outside, on this day, consolation and redemption come. Because on this day, the Holy Spirit points out to Simeon, this is the one. He's here. He's here. Let's imagine this scene together, again, out of the dozens and dozens of couples with babies who are doing what the law asks them to do to dedicate their firstborn sons. Out of the many, many couples that that had to have been there that particular day, the Holy Spirit directs Simeon and Anna to Mary and Joseph specifically. And yes, the world around them is still unwell in all kinds of ways. Mary and Joseph themselves are going to be refugees in Egypt in a matter of of days here. But in seeing this child of promise in his arms, Simeon recognizes and Anna recognizes that salvation has come. After all, what does Simeon say as he's cradling the newborn Jesus? He says, Lord, God, now you can dismiss your servant in peace, according to your word, according to this promise that you made to me. Because now my eyes have seen, past tense, have seen, your salvation. And to be very clear, uh, let's recognize that Jesus in his humanity hadn't done anything yet. Jesus in his humanity is six weeks old. Jesus as a human being has not accomplished a single thing in his ministry. He simply arrived. And yet Anna and Simeon can recognize that in God's arrival and being united with humanity, it's as good as done. Hope has come. There is no question, however hard the road will be, that what God has promised is going to be accomplished. And right here, right here in his arms, and no doubt Anna got to hold him too. But right here in Simeon's arms, because Simeon is the one that's narrated as holding him, is the fulfillment of God's promise that all things shall be well and all manner of things shall be well. So where does that leave us in 2020? Where do we find ourselves in our longings and are looking at our own lives and the world around us and saying quite honestly, things are not well. One thing I, I do want us to do is to pull our hopes away, and I say this carefully, but to pull our hopes away from being set on a particular social or political or economic or personal achievement outcome. Salvation and healing are more than any one particular hoped-for outcome, however much they may accord with our understanding of God's aims in the world. Indeed, we should work for justice. We should want equity. We should want to be able to worship freely. We enjoy a democratic government in the United States of America. All of these things are good gifts and should be enjoyed and, and worked for, but they are not our hope. With Anna and Simeon, let us set our hope most deeply on Jesus Himself. And not to make this a pie in the sky, by and by, airy fairy. No, no, no. Very concretely set our hope on receiving the one who comes to us at Christmas. Some six years ago, I ran across a Christmas letter that is unequaled in expressing what this can sound like practically in our lives when the world is throwing everything it can at us. And it begins like this. Hello, greetings from the Mayfields. This was our hardest year ever, and we still haven't recovered. In the past year, we left our mission organization. I experienced a traumatizing pregnancy. It's written by the, the wife of the family a traumatizing birth, and nearly died. Our baby was born a month early and had to be hospitalized for several scary weeks at six weeks old. We moved across the country and said goodbye to amazing friends and jobs. We put our older daughter through a whole lot of transition. Our baby never did learn to sleep very well. Our van broke down and was not to be resurrected. We moved into a cramped, loud, chaotic, apartment complex. One upstairs neighbor drove their car directly into my daughter's bedroom. My husband got a job but it is taking forever to get back on our feet financially. Every month we hope that this time we won't qualify for food stamps, but it hasn't happened yet. My anxiety got so bad my de- body decided to get depressed in order to fix things. We became very isolated, partly on purpose, partly because we didn't have the energy to reach out to old friends. Uh, She continues with an understatement It was a year of hard things. Then she continues on with a couple of other glimmers of hope, but it's these final words that I think speak powerfully to our situation, both perhaps individually, but especially collectively in 2020. Perhaps the most significant thing about this year is that Jesus is no longer an abstract person to me, no longer a walking theology, a list of do's and don'ts. This is the year I recognized him as my bruised and battered brother. And I now see how he never once left my side. Friends, this is the Jesus who is with us at Christmas. The Jesus who was presented by the Holy Spirit to Anna and Simeon there in the temple. The Jesus whose presence with us is our answer to whatever it is that we face. We have faced and we will no doubt continue to face some very hard things, but look to him. It can be looking to him with lament and longing and unfulfilled hopes, but look to him. It can be looking to him with gratitude for what he's given us and deep appreciation for just how much he has blessed us with. And then looking to him for how we might share those riches, those experiences, that wisdom, that all those other gifts with others to be more and more like him and in turn see even more of his generosity with us. But it's looking to him. And we are invited continuously, day by day, to live more and more into the reality of his presence with us. Jesus, our bruised and battered brother who never leaves our side. It's necessary to remind ourselves, as Charles Spurgeon put it, that we are not saved by our hold on Christ, but on Christ's hold on us. So look for his hold on you respond to him. Let's gather with God's people where the Spirit abounds. Let's give ourselves to scripture and prayer and silence and meditation to open ourselves up to the voice of the Spirit. Let's invest ourselves in the daily practices of generosity and hospitality, befriending with kindness, knowing that he is our life. Whatever life throws at us. Amen.